Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for your love. And uh, we thank you, Jesus, for really the privilege and opportunities to bring your word. Lord, I pray you, praise you for that. And pray that you might anoint me through your spirit to preach this message for your glory. And Lord, I pray this morning that each one of us can get just a nugget or two out of your word, your truth, Lord, that we apply to our lives and take with us. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Are we all happy today? The sun is shining. You know, it's a summer day. It's going to be probably 85 or whatever, Jeanette, today they say. And here you have a good-looking pastor in front of you. What more could you ask for except for a message? God is so good, isn't he? You know, I, the Lord is so great. And, and all of us pastors around the world and mega pastors, whatever, need to understand that the star of the show is not the pastor or the people. It's Jesus. He's the number one. He's the star. If we just stick with him, we're going to be okay. Amen and amen. Um, we're going to continue on our little journey here on dealing with struggles. And Rudy, I don't want somebody to come up to me and say, why is the pastor always bringing this, this serious stuff or whatever? Why can't we have some just joyful, happy messages? Well, always remember in our struggles, what, as I think Billy Graham used to say, that struggles, our struggles in life shape us. God is shaping us for who he wants us to be. And I really believe that. We cannot escape struggle, struggles. I'm sorry, we can't. Now, we might have difficult saying the word, but it's still there. We can't escape the struggles. Didn't I recover on that one? That's what, you know what? That's what makes me so special. God is good. Okay, shall we now get serious? Many Christian books, movies, and worship songs have come out of the darkness of suffering. I believe these words spoken by a pastor, if I can recall his name, Mark uh, uh, Rogop. And what he said is true. I'm going to give you a quote. He said, suffering is refining what we trust in. Did you catch that? Suffering is refining what we trust in and how we talk about it. And then he said, Pain can bring clarity. And his last thought, loss affirms trust. That one caught me. I want to say, if I, I would have said spot on. In my world, in my experience, that is absolutely the truth. So, having said all that, we need to understand that trusting God starts all over again each time we bring our complaints before him. Isn't that true? We can trust God, trust God, and then something else comes along. We have to start the process real over again and trust him for that situation. The process of dealing with pain is how we heal and move on as we experience God's grace, his mercy, to endure. 
That's my opening. Now for the first thought. Number one, so many questions. We often ask questions in our trying moments. Why aren't our prayers being answered? You ever ask that one? Why does God seem so distant as I'm going through my stuff and my problems? Where is the victory in this? Listen to David's haunting questions from Psalm 13. While anxiously waiting in despair for God's intervention. We're going to be in in Psalm 13. There are only six verses here, but we're going to basically take them verse by verse by verse. There's so many nuggets here, so you have to stick with me in this. I'm going to stick very close to the text because this is so crucial for us dealing with our issues that we face in life each and every day. Verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? For David, it's the absence of God, not the absence of answers that disturbs him. He's speaking from a very anxious confused and sensitive heart as a loved one struggles with with a weakened body due to cancer or the birth of a baby with major birth defects or a friend who is in bondage to some kind of mental disorder or a failing job, failing relationships. Don't we ask Don't we ask, why? Why all the stress? Why, God? Why me? Why me? How long, Lord? How long must I endure all of this? How long? I keep saying that because that was David. That was King David. He has gone through a mess How long, God? How long? Here's a man uh, after God's own heart asking the questions that we ask. How long? Verse 2. Verse 2. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me, weary after running for his life Countless times from King Saul. David contends with his continual sorrow of how long a victorious enemy and feels that God has abandoned him. Have you ever felt that way? That God has abandoned you? I have. Sometimes and when I'm honest with my struggles, God, where are you? This isn't fair. Where, where are you in this? Number two, A critical petition, verses 3 and 4. David expresses his main concern here. Now listen to this, verse 3a. Look, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Here David uses the verb look in contrast to God's absence. His request is for God to, 3b, give light to his eyes. Give light to his eyes. Otherwise, he says, they will close in death and my enemy will win. 
Verse 4 confirms, And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. David is seeking a restored relationship with his God. He's looking for God's truth once again to enlighten him. Did not Jesus say or declare in, in John 8, 12, did not Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Did not Jesus say that? Well, walking in his light means that his light exposes the darkness, exposes the, our bondage of sin, that Jesus came for us to overcome that bondage of sin and Satan. So walking in his life is turning our lives and struggles over to him and seeing his glory and victory. So we talk about struggles. We go through them because we know at the end there's glory, there's victory in them. Number three, we're moving fast, aren't we? But suddenly it's going to slow down a little bit. A confident resolve. And this is where I want us to be. David's going through all of these. He's going through experience God's absence. He's silent or whatever. Was it David's fault? I just thought of it. Was it David's fault that Saul was trying to kill him? Can you imagine if you were David? You know, he was anointed to be Israel's king, next king. And yet this guy's chasing him all over the countryside. Is going to kill him. If anybody had a right to say, why, Lord, why? It probably was King David. Or not King David at the time, but David. Why, God? A confident resolve. Verses 5 and 6. Verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Now David responds with assurance since he has experienced God's mercy in the past, he is certain that his prayers will be answered and he will receive God's unfailing love, salvation, and rejoice once again. So now, now David, is he's, he's, he's revved up. He knows that God is there because he experienced God in his past. Verse 6, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? What this guy's gone through, he's sing praises to my Lord for he's been so, so, so good to me. David makes the big shift from feeling God's absence and silence to God's illumination, to God's love and salvation followed, followed by worship and praise instead of giving up. What does David do? I'm hearing music. The angels are singing. You know, he, David embraces his faith. He embraces his faith. Why do you suppose that God gave us Psalm 13? Because he knew one day we would be reading it. When we go through our stuff, we will be reading Psalm 13. It was, made, it was written just for us to know that there is hope in the midst of the trials that we are going through. There's always hope. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. 
You got to grab a hold of the faith, your faith, and keep it in your heart, in your mind. And God will see you through. He will do that. That's his promise. Amen? And amen. Rudy thinks we're almost over, but we're not. You know, I thought of another illustration I wanted to use. Well, I was thinking of one. I couldn't come up with one, to be honest with you. I was praying about it until I picked up, I read this um, devotional. And in this devotional, the author used the illustration of a true story of a doctor back in 2014. And he was operating in a clinic in Africa. And at that time, Ebola was just raging through the community. And guess what? He came down with Ebola. He said it hit him like an anvil. He just went down. And every day, every day, he said he was praying the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. Praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And then suddenly he was healed and that just really renewed his faith walk and I love that story because this is this is where we are what I'm going to say next in your time of confusion and despair it may seem as though God is distant maybe yes maybe no for you what are you to do what are you to do? Pray. Pray. I'm speaking loud. It's not. And pray. How long, Lord? How long? How long do I have to wait for the answer to this situation? How long, Lord? Do I have to be, and must I be in torment? How long? How long? You ever ask that question? How long? If, listen, if you are honest in seeking Jesus Christ in your questions, you can be confident. You can be confident that he will release, he will release you from that struggling problem you're dealing with with the appropriate answer. He will do that every single time. But you got to trust him. Amen? You know? Um... I can only speak from my own experiences, um, what, what's worked for me. I think what works for me can work for you in your own way as God has cut a path for you is, is I'll never preach to you something that I, don't, I do not firmly in my heart believe in. All of us have been rocked by terrible things in our family, our friends. We all have been rocked there. 
I'm not the only one. You have had your issues. But the result can be the same if we are in Christ. That we can find victory, that we can find hope, that we can find strength, we can find direction to move on. So I would encourage us just to take some time to remember, to remember God's faithfulness, to remember his goodness, to remember that he never forgets. He knows every heart. He knows every concern, every cry, and scream out to him, he knows it. And he is in control. Do you believe that? It's easy for me to say that. It's easy for us to say that. But when it hits the fan, when our troubles hit the fan, do we still believe it? Do we believe? Do we believe? I've had people, I've had people walk away from me in my troubles because they didn't, because they thought our troubles were so bad, our pain was so bad, they did not, they felt uncomfortable around us. How sorry is that? God used all things for his glory and his honor. So whatever you are going through, whatever it is, God will always be for you no matter what. No matter what, he was always, he'll always be there for you. However, however, here it comes, the no matter what gets us. We don't want to hear the no matter what, that God will be for us no matter We don't want to hear that. We want to hear the good news. We want to hear that everything's going to be okay. Well, yes, everything's going to be okay, but maybe not necessarily the way you think it's going to be okay. That's our growing edge. That's how God grows us each and every day. If every day was filled with sunshine, roses, and everything was perfectly fine, how do you suppose your faith would grow when something really bad happens? It seems to me, like I shared, I've shared this with you before, that I would not hire a pastor in my church if they couldn't answer this question. Tell me about the crosses you've, you've, uh, you've, you've you carried in your life. Tell me about your pain and how God has helped you through that pain. Well, no, I've never really had a real major problem, you know. Went to college, did this and did that, and yeah, maybe a girlfriend broke up with me or whatever, but nothing major. Thank you very much. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the church that God has called you to be in, but it's not here. We all carry the cross in as Christians. That is a fact of life. You cannot shield your kids, your family, from the big bad wolf. You cannot do that. And I encourage you, don't do that. Don't shield, if you have young ones, don't shield your kids from the world. Because one day they're going to have to live in it. One little story, you think, aha, we're done. 
No. Come on, it's me. Um, all I can say is this. We, I've been dealing for years with uh, some good neighbors, friends, and they raised two wonderful, wonderful kids. The boy was straight-A student, top of his class from, you know, every grade all the way up through college. Got a wonderful job, etc. But they shielded their kids to the point where they would they didn't want them to experience any kind of pain or hardship. Literally. They could never go to a funeral because they didn't want that to, you know, hurt the kids or whatever. Smart, but one was extremely naive to the ways of the world. Married his first wife. She was an adulteress. Why did this happen to me? That's what I heard. Why did this happen to me? I believe in marriage. The quote, I believe in marriage. I believe for better, for worse. You marry that person and that's it. That, she's the number one. Why does it happen to me? Why does this happen? He, that's really the, the, the ultimate question for him was, why, why does this happen? Well, guess what? There's sin in the world. I can give you a hundred reasons why these things happen. He comes to the Lord. One, listen, he's a wonderful kid, but wonderfully naive. He remarries too soon. His second wife, now God, you know, God, I'm hoping it works out for her, but she has severe drinking issues. And then other things led to and other things. You know, and she does not want to reconcile and she doesn't want the help to overcome. That's the key. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. Doesn't want it. She became physically abusive to him. He's asking the same question. Why? Why would these things happen? Dude, that's life. That's the world. Bad things happen to good people. Amen? They happen. I'm going to close with this. Make this and really personal. Right now, Jan and myself, we are dealing with a crisis with our, probably our closest couple friends. Sandy and some of you are people praying Wednesday, you know what, what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm going to expand a little bit on that. Uh, Sandy became a born-again Christian way back before, well, some of you probably just, maybe just little babies. Some weren't even born. But Sandy's the one that led Jan to the Lord. And Sandy and Jan became best friends. 
And Sandy Petrelli was when I started going to school and all, when I became born again, she was my go-to person. Brilliant theological mind. And I'm not exaggerating. A brilliant theological mind. God gave her the wisdom of a Solomon. I swear. And so whenever I had issues or something, I want to talk about a theological issue, I'd go to Sandy. I'd go to her and she would put it in perspective. She nurtured us so much when we were the, this born-again Christians that were out of control. She kept us in control with her wisdom. Three or four years ago, she drops Jan off at our house after a conference. They went to a Christian conference together. And Sandy couldn't, couldn't remember how to get home. That's when it started. Dementia came, and it came in strong for her. And up to this point now, all these years later, as I speak, she's, she's dying. She's in her bed. She's not eating. She's not uh, drinking. And anybody that's been through all of this, and my wife being a nurse as well, it's just, you, you can't survive. You can survive three weeks without eating and three days without drinking. We get a call or text last night, her husband, and he wants to know, he said, Sandy's not doing this. What do I do, basically, if she dies? He wanted to know the steps and what, what she needed to do. So, so Jan, basically through text, walked him through what the steps would be. I called him last night, and here's what he said. I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand basically why God is doing this. Why, why her? A brilliant woman who absolutely has lost all of her faculties. How do you minister to a very good friend who doesn't want to hear the cliches but he needs to hear something. I said, Dennis, I don't have all those answers, but I do know this, that God is in control. We just need to trust him through all of this. We need to trust him. So this afternoon, after church, we'll grab a bite to eat. And we're going to his house to be with his wife to help him as best that we can. Our God is a good God. Our God knows exactly. Remember I talked a couple weeks ago? He knows the pain that we're going through. He knows what her husband's going through. He knows what she's going through. We got to run to him. 
You run to him with your problem. You don't run away from him. You run to him. Those that run away, I've seen that. It's sad to see. But those who run to Jesus, to run to him every time, run to him, their faith grows stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I see that in so many of you, that through your stuff, you've run to Jesus. You don't run away, you run to him. Even when you don't understand it, when you're angry, whatever, if you're angry with Jesus, then be angry because he can handle it. But just run to him, even with your anger, and he will see you through. He walked with him, and he will walk with you, and he will walk you through it and give you strength and give you victory in him. Friends, this amazing truth should bring a song of praise, should bring our song of praise. Have you ever praised him in your pain? Have you ever praised him when your heart has been broken? It's been shattered. Have you praised him? There's never a greater feeling when you can praise him during your hardest moments. He just keep it's like God becomes more than Superman. That Jesus just boom. He's there for you. And you feel him so close, so close, so close. I hope and pray that you're not at that point where it's so bad for you. But I also hope and pray that whatever you're going through, seek and run to your Jesus. Run to him and sing your song of praise. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that as we sing together this last song, Lord, that we can have a praiseworthy heart to know, Jesus, that you are so, so real. You're real in our laughter, Lord. You're real in our successes, Lord, and you're real in our pain and our struggles. You are so real, Jesus. Be real, I pray, Lord. Be real in your people here today. Those that are struggling with whatever it is in their lives, Lord, be real to them. Fill fill them with your, your grace, your mercy, your salvation, your illumination, Lord. That they may know that there is always hope, strength, and victory in you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you stay with me, please?